neurons that wire together fire together, right? So like when we continually repeat certain behaviors, certain actions, certain ways of thinking, we're creating these new neural connections and we're strengthening the path. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutritionist, and I'm the host on this podcast. And I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jockers, and today I'm talking about brain regeneration and different ways that you can actually work to heal your brain cells. So really powerful topic. We were taught years ago that brain cells, <clears throat> once they were damaged, they couldn't, they couldn't heal and be renewed. But we know today that brain cells actually can. In fact, there's a whole science of neuroplasticity which is really the ability of the brain to reorganize itself, both in structure and how it functions. And so again, we used to think the brain was hardwired. And after childhood, you couldn't repair, regenerate, or replace these damaged brain cells. But now we know that's not actually true. So neurogenesis is the continual generation of new brain cells, right? New neurons. Okay, synapses are little gaps between the brain cells. And the unique thing about synapses is they... At Stanford, they, they did a study on Albert Einstein's brain, and they wanted to see, did he have more neurons? Was that the reason why he was so smart and could, uh, could come up with um, you know, understandings of the universe that other scientists and other people couldn't? And what they found was that he had the same amount of neurons for a, similar, a person of similar size and brain volume, but he had almost twice as many synapses. And that's these little gaps that connect neurons. And so that's really important. A lot of, you know, rewiring our brain and regenerating our brain cells has to do with building new synaptic connections, those little gaps, and then strengthening those. We always say that neurons that wire together, neurons that wire together, fire together, right? So like when we continually repeat certain behaviors, certain actions, certain ways of thinking, we're creating these new neural connections and we're strengthening the path. Okay. And then it's really the same thing with habits and different things like that. We have weakened synapses are things that we're not using. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so the brain's ability to adapt, rewire, and regenerate itself has a lot to do with many different physiological elements, right? So the way that our DNA regulation and transcription is taking place, microglia activity, which basically is the immune component of the, of the brain. So the microglia are the immune cells in the brain, and they play a big role, inflammation and um, helping actually to stabilize uh, certain synaptic connections, the membrane-bound ion channels. So you've got basically the way that, um, the way that our brain works is through electrical gradients that are run by these electrolytes. That's why they call them electrolytes, potassium, sodium, magnesium, calcium is a big one that's in there. Um, chloride. So those are all important. And how the membrane, the resting potential, how these electrolytes are crossing over through the, through the membrane is important. Neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, <clears throat> um, 
GABA, glutamate, all those things, very important. Hormone activity, estrogen, testosterone, insulin, these all play a role, thyroid hormone, all play a role in how the brain is functioning, healing, and building new neural connections. And then the dendritic spines, which are components of the, uh, of the neurons, right? And so they're little branches of the neurons that reach out and touch and connect with other neurons. And so all these things are impacted, all these physiological elements are impacted by our thoughts, our life experiences, our nutrition, our continual patterns, our age plays a role. Um, all those things, obviously our sex, but when it comes to hormones, all those things play a role. And so here are big things that, um, that have probably the biggest impact on neuroplasticity. Stressful circumstances play a huge role. If you're growing up in a stressful environment or if you're currently in a stressful environment, that's really going to hardwire your brain for fight or flight. And that is not, real, not very healthy. You don't want a brain that's hardwired for fight or flight because you're going to be working out of your brainstem rather than your prefrontal cortex, which allows you to have better attention. So when you're running out of your brainstem, you're more emotional, impulsive, um, you have trouble concentrating, trouble focusing, uh, you have anxiety. Those are all issues when you're under chronic stress as opposed to when you are more relaxed. Then you're going to be able to think from your prefrontal cortex, which allows you to focus, concentrate, be goal-driven, um, you know, have higher level, deeper thoughts, deeper philosophical you know, thoughts about life. I mean, just really allows you a whole lot more complex thoughts because you're not focused just on immediate survival. Social interactions, how you're interacting with people around you, obviously trauma, emotions, um, meditation and prayer play a big role. So if you're continually, and this is why, you know, the Bible talks so much about prayer, meditations become so, so popular in mainstream uh, talk now, because these things have really, really powerful impacts on the way that our brain is wired. And so very, very important things are daily thoughts, what we're thinking on a day-to-day -day basis, moment to moment, what we're trying to learn. Learning is a big stimulus on the brain. And so our nutrition plays a big role, how we move, and then new novel experiences are also very important here. So again, neuroplasticity, one of the big components of neuroplasticity is a compound called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic growth factor. And it's a key neurochemical responsible for the growth and maintenance of neural connections. And so it helps us adapt and learn. And some big factors with this are good nutrition. We know that fasting, being, getting your body into a state of ketosis and helping your brain run on ketones and omega-3 fatty acids, getting enough omega-3s, particularly DHA, play a huge role in the amount of BDNF your body's producing. Good sleep helps with BDNF where a poor sleep reduces your BDNF. Movement is very important for BDNF. And we know it's chronic stress reduces your BDNF. So you actually atrophy in your synaptic connections when you're under a lot of stress. Now, a big thing from a nutrition perspective is good blood sugar stability. So we know that when you eat, you eat anything, even a low carb meal, you're going to get somewhat of a rise in blood glucose. And then you're also going to get a rise in the hormone insulin to take the sugar out of the bloodstream and put it into the cells. Now, if you're on a healthy diet and it's not a high carbohydrate diet, you're eating foods your body's not having an immune sensitivity to, 
then you're gonna you should ideally just get a small rise in blood glucose and a small rise in insulin and then you know after two to three hours that should be significantly reduced okay and then you should have real stable blood sugar that helps you feel good and balanced and mentally um, mentally being able to function and and uh, be able to perform well as opposed to when you have hypoglycemia you consume a carbohydrate based meal your blood sugar goes skyrocketing, your insulin goes skyrocketing, it drags that blood sugar down, and you end up in this hypoglycemic, this what we call reactive hypoglycemic uh, state where you feel irritable, you feel anxious, you feel impulsive, you feel stressed. Some people get headaches, they feel fatigued, dizzy, right? Different symptoms like that. So getting good blood sugar stability and insulin stability is very, very important here for a healthy brain. One of the worst things for your brain is hypoglycemia without adequate ketone bodies because what that means is the brain cells are not getting the fuel that they need, so they actually start to die, okay? So very, very problematic here. You want your blood glucose to be fairly low, but you also want to have your ability, the ability, the metabolic flexibility to use ketones as a fuel source. That's a really important component, and we'll talk more about that as we go on. Now, neurotoxins, these are things we want to avoid. Mercury, which we can find in things like fish, vaccines, have uh, some vaccines like flu vaccine have, has mercury, um, amalgam fillings, right? These are things we want to avoid. Uh, fish, you want to get low on the food chain. That way it hasn't built up the mercury. You want to avoid things like shark, swordfish. These are higher food chain fish. Um, you also have things like albacore tuna, which is a larger tuna. Chunk light is lower in mercury wild-caught salmon, sardines, lower in mercury. Lead, you gotta watch out for cosmetic products like lipsticks that have lead, as well as um, paint, things like that, you know, old paint that used to have lead, like an old home. Uh, aluminum, right? So I don't recommend using a lot of aluminum cans, right? Kind of reduce the amount of aluminum cans. You also have aluminum in vaccines, right, that you wanna avoid. So these can be this aluminum can be a problematic because it's a neurotoxin. Arsenic, which is in pesticides, which is one of the reasons why getting organic food products is important. Um, you know, a lot of these things you can avoid by getting organic, real whole foods. Um, trying to do your best to avoid environmental chemicals uh, is very important. Avoiding artificial flavorings and sweeteners. Not using, you know rat poison and you know things like DDT to avoid mosquitoes, things like that. Very important, getting fluoride-free toothpaste, important, important stuff for the brain. Now, we definitely also need to move. A sedentary lifestyle, very problematic for our body. So movement is life, right? We need to move in order to help drive more circulation, more BDNF production in the brain, uh, more synaptic growth, more neurogenesis to take place in our body. So movement is very important. Sedentary lifestyle is very problematic. We also need to keep our stress under control. And most of us have experienced being under a lot of stress. And so we need strategies like prayer, meditation, um, positive visualization, things that we can speak over ourselves, reading the Bible, reading scripture, um, you know, whatever it is that, that's working for you to help reduce your stress. Okay, so important to help calm your body and figure out ways that you can reduce uh, the effects of stress or the perception of stress. Okay, a lot of times we're under stress, we don't really need to be. 
It's just the way that somebody looked at us, something we read online, you know, the way that somebody responded to our email. So oftentimes these are misinterpretations and we don't actually need to be under chronic stress. We need to understand that and have strategies to help relax our body so the brain can heal and function well. Also, the gut plays a big role. So we know the gut is the second brain and it's constantly communicating with our brain through the vagus nerve. And we know that endotoxins from the gut, so bacterial cell walls like LPS, lipopolysaccharides, are often released into the bloodstream and can circulate in the brain and, and contribute to inflammation in the brain. So we got to keep our gut healthy and strong as well. So let's talk about some of these key strategies, my top 12 brain regeneration strategies. We've got to really focus on diet, intermittent fasting, getting into ketosis. We need to move. We need to, pre we need to reduce stress, practice gratitude, really prioritize good sleep, good gut health, um, neurobic exercises, which I'll talk about shortly, uh, are also very important for stimulating different regions of the brain. And then using some different supplements also can be really helpful. Magnesium, certain herbs that enhance brain cell autophagy, which I'll go through, and then mitochondrial support nutrients. So when it comes to diet, we want to really, really focus on good fats. We want to avoid bad fats. Brain is mostly fat. So we want to avoid these high omega-6 uh, oils right here that are, that are pro-inflammatory, canola oil, soybean, sunflower, corn, safflower, grapeseed, margarine, cottonseed, and peanut oil. So these are refined oils uh, that are high in omega-6 fats or trans fats that are really problematic for the brain. Instead, we want to get <clears throat> saturated fats. Um, we want to get monounsaturated fats, omega-3 fatty acids. We also want to get a lot of fat-soluble nutrients. And so things like butter, grass-fed butter, Grass-fed tallow, which is beef fat, very, very rich in fat-soluble nutrients that support healthy brain function. Coconut milk, coconut oil, very rich in <clears throat> medium-chain saturated fats and uh, that are very healthy for the brain as well. Avocado oil, olive oil, very rich in um, monounsaturated fats, what we call omega-9 fats. And then fish oil, very rich in your long chain omega-3s, particularly DHA, EPA and DHA, which play a huge role in the production of BDNF and healthy brain function. And then eggs are extremely rich in fat-soluble nutrients and compounds like phospholipids and choline that help support brain function as well. So particularly the egg yolk is, is really the brain-building component of the eggs. And so intermittent fasting, huge. Plato even said he fasts for greater physical and mental efficiency. We know that intermittent fasting helps improve your BDNF production for greater synaptic uh, density and neurogenesis. On top of that, it also helps reduce inflammation in the brain, helps downregulate what we call the neuroinflammasome. So it helps downregulate the inflammatory production in the brain, and that's huge. That really allows for greater levels of neurogenesis. So intermittent fasting, one of the best things you can do to regenerate the brain. And then also on top of that, you know, basically fasting goes so well with ketone production or, or ketogenic style diet. You don't even necessarily need to be on a strict keto diet if you're practicing intermittent fasting, but you do want the metabolic flexibility to get your body to be producing ketones. And if you're really concerned about your brain health, if you've had you know, family history of dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that, 
then um, definitely getting your body into ketosis, one of the best preventative strategies. These ketones are very good energy sources. So they produce significantly more energy than running off of sugar and a lot less metabolic waste. So, and they're very good for the brain. They actually are what we call epigenetic modulators. So they help to activate genes that give us a positive health expression and they turn off genes that promote inflammation, degeneration, and disease. So getting ketones elevated in your bloodstream is important for a healthy brain. Now, benefits of movement. So moving is so key because it improves circulation, oxygenation, lymphatic drainage, helps boost up neurotransmitters. We've probably all experienced this where we were feeling a little bit down and we got up, we started moving, getting out, getting in the sun, you know, just getting outside, uh, moving your body around your house even, and we notice our, our mood improved. In fact, in all the research that's been done on depression and movement, movement has actually outperformed antidepressant medications in all the studies. So movement is you know, a natural antidepressant, really, really good for helping improve mental clarity and memory. So getting regular movement, moving around the house throughout the day, and then also exercise, doing three to five days a week of good quality exercise. I'm a huge fan of resistance training, so strength training uh, to build lean body tissue, very important for a healthy brain and a healthy body. Now, you could also do things like interval training, um, long-distance cardio I'm not a huge fan of. You can overwhelm your system and turn on the neuroinflammasome, turn on more inflammation if you do that too much of that. So you got to be careful not to overtrain, but doing 30 to 45 minutes, three to five times a week of strength training can be really powerful for, uh, for your, your body and for your brain. Now, also really putting yourself in a state of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the greatest gifts you can give to your brain. People that are, are, have a greater sense of gratitude have more neurogenesis take place and greater synaptic density. And this results in a positive, healthier mood. They're more resilient to stress. They're more compassionate and empathetic to people. And they're just happier people in general. And I think beyond just the idea of you know, having a healthy, strong brain, we want to be happy people. And so practicing gratitude is very important for that. Now, we got to really focus on good sleep as well. So sleep is actually when our brain detoxifies itself. And so here are the tips for great sleep. Keep your room cool. So last night, my room got down to 64 degrees, and that's really great for a good sleep. So typically, somewhere between 60 to 70 degrees, people like it, usually roughly around 65 or so for, for most people, you're going to get your best sleep. Keep your room as dark as possible and use a sleep mask. So you want your room as dark as possible. You don't want ambient light getting in, particularly anywhere around your eyes. That's where the sleep mask comes in. That's going to help you with a better melatonin secretion. So you get better detoxification and uh, like a greater reset for your brain at night. And that's so important because we look at chronic diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's, and there's an inability to stimulate autophagy in the brain cells to destroy bad brain cells. Okay. So the body's not able to detoxify and get rid of these bad brain cells. And so they just build up and there's dysfunction that takes place. And good sleep is really key component to not allowing them to build up. We want to avoid caffeine within eight hours of sleeping. 
So a lot of people are caffeine sensitive and taking caffeine in the afternoon can cause you not to sleep well. Um, do your best not to eat within three hours of sleeping. You'll notice that you just sleep a lot better when you don't do that. Get sun exposure during the day. If at all possible, get out in the sun throughout the day because that will actually help set your circadian rhythm, help you sleep better. Exercise regularly, but not late at night. Okay, avoid bright light after sunset. So put on uh, red lights, you know, or or orange slash red lights. Keep keep your room, uh, whatever room that you're in, more dimly lit in the evening, and then wind down at 9 p.m. Don't have any goals. Don't do anything super serious. No serious conversations with your spouse, and that's going to help you sleep better. If you're having serious conversations or you've got major goals you're trying to accomplish after nine, you're going to get that second wind where cortisol is right. It raises and adrenaline raises and you feel like you've got a lot of energy and like you can get a lot of things done, but you're also suppressing your melatonin and that's not going to allow you to get a good night's sleep. So very important that we do that. Now, some other things that can be helpful using things like probiotics, probiotic supplementation has been shown to help improve BDNF production and improve brain health. Um, you know, and this would be because probiotics are going to help us uh, uh, break down and absorb nutrients more effectively. Things like vitamin B12, that's really important for the brain. So B vitamins, um, it's going to help us absorb those things more effectively. And it's going to help reduce the amount of toxic uh, uh, bacteria and yeast. And those bad bacteria and yeast produce toxins. They produce things like gliotoxin that yeast produces and acetaldehyde, which can give you almost a form of um, alcohol poisoning, right? People with candida overgrowth and leaky gut, they are releasing toxins that are literally almost like they're getting drunk. And so they're damaging their brain cells. And then bad bacteria are going to release lipopolysaccharides that really do the same thing, amplify inflammation in the brain. So probiotics can be a really good support for that. Neurobic exercises. So these are exercises that you're going to be doing that are new and novel, right? And they keep your brain very agile. So your brain, whenever you're introducing new types of exercises or new activities, your brain has to learn. And this is really good and refreshing for the brain. So you could do things like brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand, um, styling your hair with your non-dominant hand, these types of things will help stimulate new activity, new neurogenesis in the brain. Have an ongoing chess game, right, that you've got going on or, or you know, something where you've got to kind of put some thought and strategy that's just continually ongoing and you can kind of come assess a situation and, and deal with it right there and that keeps your brain moving as well. Lots of colors and smells, so really stimulating all the different senses. So going to a farmer's market, for example, and Looking at all the different shapes and colors and aromas can be one of those ways. Um, you also can do things like close, like surprises. Close your eyes and then taste something that you weren't aware that you, oh, that you were going to taste. You didn't know what it was, you know, for example, and you're trying to figure it out by putting it in your mouth. And that can cause a cascade of events in your brain that end up building up more neurogenesis. And then inducing novelty. So basically just going on, on a different a walk in a different place, driving a different route, you know, whatever it is, trying to do some sort of a, so, something new. So new activities, uh, visiting new places, 
you know, all kinds of things like that. So these are ways that you're going to help improve. Now you can also do movements like cross body movements and cross crawl movements where you are, you can incorporate that into your exercise or whatever you're doing where you are going in a sense, like across your body. And I've got some other videos on YouTube where I go over some brain based exercises that can be really helpful. Um, we talked about neurotoxins, and so we want to not only reduce our exposure, but also enhance our ability to get these toxins out of our body. So we want to really support our liver. Good hydration, um, maybe doing some lemon in our water can be really helpful uh, for supporting the liver. You can also take supplements like milk thistle and dandelion that are supportive for the liver. You can drink herbal teas that support liver detoxification very important for helping our body get rid of those different neurotoxins. And then some key supplements I found to be really helpful. One is brain calm magnesium, which is magnesium L3 and 8, which has actually been shown to support, it crosses the blood brain barrier and supports healthy synapse number and function, right? So really powerful for BDNF and for um, neurogenesis to take place and it's very calming on our brain which helps us focus during the day see when you're and when you're anxious and irritable during the day you can't focus it's hard to get stuff done whereas when you're calm relaxed you're able to focus better be more attentive and that's where the brain calm magnesium can really help um, and then some different herbs and compounds that help stimulate autophagy these are great things to include in your diet quercetin which you can get from things like red onions and elderberry and cranberries six shagayole which is in ginger so using ginger curcumin which you can get in turmeric and you can also get it in supplements same thing with resveratrol um, which is found in red wine so you can drink a little bit, but not a whole lot because you don't want too much alcohol for sure. Um, ECGC, epigolactic attention, which is in dark chocolate and green tea, no long tea. Citrus bergamot, which you find in Earl Grey tea. Carcinic acid, which is in oregano, sage, and rosemary. So utilizing a lot of these herbs on a regular basis can also help with stimulating and getting rid, cleaning up the bad cells that are in the brain and the bad cellular components, the bad mitochondria, which are in the brain. So it helps your body cleave those and get rid of those. So using these kinds of herbs can be powerful. And then also doing some mitochondrial support, right? So mito, the brain is, you know, so dense in mitochondria. And so for a lot of people, they do really well on things that help boost glutathione, like N-acetylcysteine or alpha-lipoic acid. And then also things like coenzyme Q10, carnitine, um, mitosupport. This product here also has things like curcumin that I just talked about in it. So a lot of really powerful nutrients in there to help support mental energy and cognition. Also very good for circulation, blood flow, blood pressure, all those types of things. So great supplement to add in for healthy brain regeneration and um, yeah, hope that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, I've got a great article that goes with this video, so you guys can check that out as well. Hopefully, you really enjoyed this training, and if so, definitely give me a like, uh, and if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do, and also hit the bell button right next to it, which will allow you to get all the um, notifications when I'm going live, so that will help you know when I'm doing my next video. And I'm doing regular videos on a number of different topics like this. So you don't want to miss that. Hopefully you got a lot out of this training today. 
And uh, if you have any questions, certainly leave them below and be happy to get back to you guys. All right, everybody, be blessed. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.